Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, hockey fans? Welcome back to Casing the League on Believe Network, bringing you top NHL headlines, hot topics, and best bets. But we are officially in offseason, which means we're focused on bringing you guests that can deliver you the most important and attuned information on all of your favorite teams, on all of your favorite players, even if you have favorite players on different teams, which I tend to be that kind of person. And we just had the NHL draft wrap up where there was a lot of excitement and even some history made, especially because round one, zero trades. And then we also had 14 players outside of the U.S. It was the fourth largest, well, fourth highest number when it comes to draft numbers in terms of how many um, international players get picked up. So, so much to dive into. But most importantly, my guest, Allison Lucan, a Emmy Award on-air analyst for Root Sports TV, or you might know her as the analyst queen. Allison, how are you? Thank you so much for joining me here on Casing the League. I am great now that I'm here. I'm so honored to be on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it so much. As you guys know, Casing the League is brought to you by Bet Online, and Bet Online is your number one source for all stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, and even the latest matchup reports for anything going on. As you guys know, PGA, Wimbledon, MLB, all of the good stuff. Bet Online is your sports intel headquarters for this season, as we have you covered for all of your insider sports waging needs from basketball and hockey to MLB, UFC, and boxing. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting in info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your home. Get into the action today. Head over to the website or use your mobile device and be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% bonus bet online where the game starts. So, Big exhale after all of that. I love to jump into the icebreaker portion. That's where you and I get a chance to know each other and fans who don't know the queen, which is just crazy, to have a better chance to know you as well. So I always ask this quirky question. Uh, Who would you most relate yourself to in position, in an NHL position? Is it the speedy, skilled winger, your cool, calm, collected almost, uh, the chippy, chirping center? You got both personalities to you. You could be defensive. You could be offensive. You're just a Swiss Army knife. Or... A protective defenseman, you can chirp a little bit, or a quirky goalie, which, like, what else can you say about goalies and the unique personalities? <laughs> well, I will say in hockey, I play, I play defenseman poorly, but I do think <laughs> I would most identify with the position I played when I played lacrosse, which is the chippy chirping center. That is how I roll. I love it. And you can tell if you're a sharp analytical mind, you have to be a little chippy. You have to be able to conduct everyone. You got to be quick on your feet, agile and adjustable. So I love that. That's actually my answer too. But usually I kind of pawn it off and say that's what my family voted for me. Uh, <laughs> but I'm the youngest. So I picked up on a little bit of everything from three older siblings. They've had enough of me by now. That's for sure. Um, as I mentioned, you are a queen analyst and you do work with Root Sports TV and you have the pleasure of working with the Seattle crack in the youngest franchise right now and they've been so surprising in terms of coming out and putting up such numbers they have a 46 28 record after this previous season they made a deeper postseason run than many thought that they would um they had 18 guys on their roster find a goal out of 20 rostered players so looking back on this very unique exciting underestimated season uh is there a song that comes to mind either in regards to the season or a player or a moment 
I love this question. And as much as I tried to find something from my current queen, Taylor Swift, I did oh. have to go with Rolling in the Deep by Adele because you it. set me up perfectly. It was the depth of this organization that brought all the success that they had this year. That is such a great one. And I feel like as much as people love Taylor Swift and what she's doing right now, which after she put on a whole show for um, felt like five hours in the pouring rain, she didn't even go inside or put it on delay. She's the absolute queen. And there's so much to take from any lyric that she has. But Rolling in the Deep, Adele was another queen with the lyrics. And I think that that one is so perfect, especially because of how underestimated this team was. But before we dive further into the Seattle Kraken. Let's kind of talk about your your journey becoming an NHL analyst. Uh, I saw that you were with the Columbus Blue Jackets for a minute, which I have such love for that team. I know they're kind of in a rebuild mode. Their previous season, they were kind of injury ridden, but they're putting the pieces together so nicely. But you learned so much from being a part of that organization and then getting into this analyst position. And now with the Seattle Kraken, can you kind of tell us a little bit about your journey? Yeah, it's very, very untraditional. I started uh, my corporate life in corporate America, actually, just as a consultant. And wow. later on into that journey, I was just writing on the side. I was the stereotype, I'll just have a blog. And um, I had some really great advocates for me who got me opportunity with the team proper. As you mentioned, I also was a writer with The Athletic. And then, you know, during the pandemic, so many of us just didn't have opportunity anymore. And mm -hmm. I was really, really fortunate that the Seattle Kraken, an organization I had already admired from afar for what they were doing and how they were doing it, came calling and they were crazy enough to say, hey, you've never been on TV, but we think you should try it <laughs> and, and support, <laughs> supported me and trained me. And uh, it, it's really been incredible. I stand with the help and the uplifting of so many people. It certainly is not just all my doing. Yeah, uh, it takes a village in all aspects of life. We, we typically hear that when it comes to kids, but I, I feel like it's not talked about enough when it comes to growing in your career, or getting these opportunities where people take the time, which kind of takes me to a question that I had later down the ladder, but you touched on it so perfectly. You know, how does a team like this help grow the game of hockey? Because when I did see how they started to build and how they started to formulate the branding for this team, it was already so appealing. It was aesthetically appealing, which if you're millennial or Gen Z, sure, aesthetics are already rope you in but then when you just see how um attuned they were to being action first they were on top of everything that would happen headline wise they were very inclusive already which is a big movement in hockey took a couple steps back last week but still that's the trajectory that this game is supposed to be on how does the team this special as the Seattle Kraken help grow the game Yes, I think it's really important to acknowledge that when this team got founded in Seattle, this was an ownership group and a leadership group that didn't just say, hey, cool hockey, um, because as we both know, hockey is traditionally a sport for, unfortunately, mostly rich white men. And it has not been the most inclusive. If we look across the major sports, hockey had a lot of room to grow in every single area. And the ownership and leadership of the Kraken said, we are in Seattle. We are in the Pacific Northwest. This is a part of the world that prioritizes inclusivity and prioritizes diversity. And we want to reflect that. We want to be part of where we live, where we exist, connect with those who we are asking to support us. How can we ask them to support us if we don't support them and all Absolutely. that they represent? And I think also they really took it to heart. There are so many people who are new to hockey in our organization but there are a lot of people who've been in hockey for quite some time, like myself. And 
we've seen the areas for growth and we have pushed, not just waited to be asked, but we have pushed those agendas forward and made it a priority and not just put up lip service, not just wear a jersey on, you know, a pride night or a hockey fights cancer night or a black history month night, but to educate our staff to participate with organizations in our community that represent those communities and really, really try the best that we can to do the work to be what we say we should be. That's a big thing that we hear around the offices all day, every day. And I'm really proud of that. Absolutely. And I think a big win with the Seattle Cracking organization as well was the fact that they stood by everything that they talked about. You kind of said that. And what I loved when they were first coming out, when their first season uh, opened up is the fact that they were so educational on their social media platforms as well. It wasn't like a wait for a moment in time to happen. It was a let's do this because this is our identity and the diversity that comes from that part of the state. I never thought of that in that perspective, but it is huge because you're coming from so many different backgrounds encompassed in one state that it's such an honorable thing for them to have that opportunity to get ahead of all of that, but to be such an educational uh, place to begin with as well. So big fan of the Seattle Kraken. My brother played for the Seattle Seahawks for a couple seconds, but he decided to stay in Seattle. He ditched us here in Florida, but I thought I'd still keep him on the Tampa Bay Lightning train. That's who we grew up watching. That's who I've covered for six years. And he is off. He bought himself a jersey. He tried to send me one. I was like, I can't wear it. So he is fully on board and he has become a full hockey head because of the Seattle Kraken. But not everybody got on board. There's some hatred. When it comes to new organizations, people feel like because you can kind of do the plug and play and pick from, you know, in the expansion draft that you have a an upper hand to kind of piece together this team that shouldn't exist. But I feel like there's an actual uh, real formula and underestimated chemistry that has to be balanced in order for a team to work, no matter how you get the guys and uh, how they come together. Can you kind of speak to the hatred that sometimes comes about for these organizations and how hard it really is to balance out a roster, regardless of how you grab players? Yeah, it's such an important point. And I think, you know, a lot of people have looked at Vegas the second youngest team in the league. And and that's where a lot of this hatred is generated from because in their first year, they come around that message of, you know, they were the discarded, they were the unwanted, and they were going to rally behind that to get to the Stanley Cup final. But that's not the journey for most expansion teams. And, you know, as you mentioned, I covered the Columbus Blue Jackets. They were an expansion team in the wave before Vegas. And back then the expansion rules weren't as open, I guess I should say, or as free to allow for more access to the talent that teams had in terms of who you selected. So I think there was a lot of bitterness from teams. No one had had the advantages that Vegas had had in terms of who they could pick. And GMs at that time were kind of unprepared. They didn't necessarily have the opportunity to protect their roster and build their cap situation the way that they might've wanted to, knowing they were going to be losing a player that year. So I think Vegas really spiked all of that. And then, you know, Seattle came in, they were not super successful their first year. And so while people are like, oh, see, that's what expansion hockey is supposed to be. Now Seattle gets frustrated because we're always being compared to Vegas. And again, every scenario is different. So I think, I think it comes down to, you know, again, fans are fantastic for their passion. And it's when you see any advantage that seems to come more quickly than you have had the opportunity to have, you just start to get bitter. <laughs> but I, you, know, you raise such an important point because one of the things that the Kraken are trying to do is field a competitive team at the NHL level that builds to a window with the young talent they're getting through the draft. 
but also build a depth pipeline that can sustain them for years. You can't just be one and done. That's something Vegas is actually struggling with now is yep. keeping the coffers full. And so um, I think that it's a really interesting balance to watch how you strive for the talent you need to be competitive at the NHL level, but not spend all your assets there so that you lose the long-term sustainability that just isn't there when you're a brand new team. Absolutely. And I think maybe just the emotions as a fan, it feels like you're throwing the kitchen sink into building a roster, but you have to have that progressive build. And a lot of it is just weighing out what players are going to come in and make an impact now and what players are going to make an impact three years from now. And is three years more important than the now. So Vegas Golden Knights are dealing with that. It was tough to see that Riley Smith's going to be heading to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Penguins were a pretty offensively sound team. They couldn't protect their D zone. So when you start seeing these guys scatter out, it gets nerve wracking as a fan because then you're like, oh, crap, who's going to be good next year? But what I love about what you pointed out is the preparation for depth. And something that stood out with the Seattle Kraken is that they kind of, they did this beautiful momentous throughout the season where you didn't count them out entirely, but you didn't think they were going to the playoffs until you started seeing what they were doing in March and April. But the thing that stood out to me the most was the fact that it was an all hands on deck effort. And as I mentioned earlier in the segment here on Casing the League is that out of 20 rostered players, 18 guys got on the board. That's not something you hear of often. And some of the names that were kind of the highlight of the playoff reel were guys who you didn't even think were going to touch the ice or get called up. So can you kind of talk a little bit more about that depth and how Seattle has done so well at kind of meticulously piecing together this roster, whether the names are names that people know of right out the gate or names that they probably had to Google during playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, I think um, Seattle was, was having to force their way into the consciousness, right? Because again, they're new. They didn't have a great season last year. And let's be honest, they play mostly in the Pacific time zone. And a lot of our Eastern friends, I used to live on the East Coast too. Uh, those are late nights. You don't usually stay yeah. up for those. Um, but, you know, I really credit both the front office and the coaching staff, because as you mentioned, this team is still building, so they don't they're not at a place where they have a Crosby and Malkin down the middle yet. They're building to that, but that's still a stage or two away. And so what they did was they were able to select players that really complemented each other, and that was from the front office. And they were able to then construct a relationship between the NHL team and the AHL team where both systems were similar so that when younger players, I think of a Ty Cartier, come up, they are already comfortable with how they can play. And the kid scores a goal in his first ever NHL game, which is a playoff game. And it's crazy. And then, you know, all of those ingredients are given to the coaching staff. And I really, really give credit to Dave Haxtell and his crew because he was a finalist for the Jack Adams for a reason. To your point, maybe not as much, quote unquote, elite talent yet on this roster, mm -hmm. but they found the exact right way to deploy these players. And they didn't mess with it much. So, there was scoring and defense coming from all over the lineup. So maybe there wasn't a star, but the beauty of that is I think it confounded opponents because you didn't have to shut down just one guy. You had to shut down a bunch of guys. And in fact, on any given night, you didn't know who it was. So that depth became a weapon, not just in what it could do, but in the diversity of where the attack would come from. I think that was a big challenge for opponents. And as the Kraken started to believe, Dave Haxtell said this all the time, as the belief built, the confidence built, and, and it just went from there. Yeah, you did see a leap of confidence and still in such a humble way. I love the surprise of which player was going to be the guy tonight or which players, plural, because it was never a one-man effort. And that was 
probably one of the most exciting things to watch. But as you just explained that so beautifully, you know, the approach, the identity, kind of the motto that this team started to encompass, that made me think when I started looking at the upcoming NHL draft, did that change their draft approach to realize that they had so many guys that became two-way players or became these anomalies to have a tendency to be stronger offensively or to do the things that they did heading into the draft? Did that change anything? And uh, was there a guy that came off the board that you just love, your favorite pick? <laughs> well, you know, I, I think that um, it changed their draft strategy and that they were picking perhaps a lot later than they thought they might be going into the season. <laughs> and, you know, I think that, that that's a bittersweet thing, again, for an organization that is still building like we talked about. I, I have great faith um, and am so impressed with the front office team, the research and development crew led by Alex Mandrecki and Namita Nandakumar, who head up the data side of some of their, their drafting choices. Um, they have a good track record, even early, of finding some hidden gems. So I think they just had to adjust where they were picking from. Um, and we'll see how that pans out. They kept all their picks, which I like. They, they got a ton of those last season, which was a huge strategy as well. Get as many bodies in this system as you can. Um, but I think, you know, as far as the draft as a whole, as a, a pick that I liked, um, you know, I, I'm not showing bias here. This is true. I, I liked that the curveball came from Anaheim and that allowed Fantilli to go to Columbus. You know, I really did think that when you looked at the contenders for Connor Bedard going into the draft, I thought Columbus really, if you can say this, deserved it the most. They didn't try to tank. They're a team that has really worked hard and, and had just some bad luck here and really needed that center. They have never won a cup. They've, they've been looking for some sustained success. They're building a really strong young pipeline. I thought if anyone deserved Connor Bedard, it was them. Um, I didn't like how that lottery shook out. And then for them to fall, for them to fall out of their position. So in a way, they basically gained back their original position. And so I like that pick for that reason. And I love the sub subliminal, I know this is not the intent, but that now there's a whole ton more of University of Michigan players come yes. to Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> I know, I keep saying that the boundary lines on the state or the state lines are about to shift here because yeah. there's so many Michigan guys ending up in Ohio, but I love it. And Adam Fantelli is fantastic. He's get, He looks like somebody who's just going to end up being a leader in that organization so quickly. Um, you can rave about his play so much between his speed and the unexpected physicality. If you can keep pace with this guy, so I was excited to see that he actually ended up going there. I had a chance to talk with Brian Hedger and we were kind of predicting who would end up in that third spot. And we were kind of preparing for Leo Carlson or Will Smith, but he was saying, if, if we can yep. get Adam Fintelli, this would yep. be tremendous. And it, it happened. So that was, I was excited for it too. It was one of my favorite picks as well. And I think that they nailed the draft so well. And if they can stay healthy, look out guys, because they're going to be scratching their way to the top of that metropolitan or to compete with the devils, which uh, brings us to the competitive conversation. Did the second youngest NHL organization kind of, stir up a more competitive energy in the Seattle Kraken to think, okay, this cup is closer in reach than either we thought or we will get credit for. Uh, they have 20 plus 2,500 odds to be Stanley Cup winners come this upcoming season. So how is that a big motivator for this team and this roster? Yeah, it, it's big. It's huge. And I think that, you know, this year, this team took a lot of pride in doing what no one thought they could do. And I think what it allowed them to do in the room, of course, we're not in there for the most intimate conversations, but there is a lot of veteran leadership there. You look at a player like Jordan Eberle, Jaden Schwartz, Adam Larson, only one of those three has a cup. The other two are still chasing their first. And as players who've been in this league a long time, they can share those messages of how hard it really is. 
to get deep into these playoffs and what it really can mean to win a cup. And so I think that now seeing the belief, learning and expecting as we were talking about to win versus hoping to win, and then having these veterans, these leaders in your group that motivate you to want to do it now is going to be a huge push. I think it's okay if they don't advance much farther this coming year, because as we talked about at the start, this team is still building. But they've certainly shown that they are about where people thought they were going to be the first year and perhaps even a little bit better. Yes, absolutely. And then kind of speaking of that build and one of the last things before we wrap up here on Casing the League, uh, a story that I loved and tracked pretty closely was Philip Grubauer. He came from the Colorado Avalanche. He kind of won out that spot over two guys over there. And then Georgiev comes in and tells him, you're not staying in Colorado. Um I feel like that put a chip on his shoulder throughout these playoffs. And I've seen him play in such a high caliber manner. Is he somebody that we can expect to see the Kraken kind of spend more time with uh, in this upcoming season between the pipes? Um, Because you know what he's capable of, but he had some inconsistency throughout this season. Absolutely. And, you know, again, much like the rest of the team last year was not his best year. He knows that he would talk Mm -hmm. about it, but he looked different coming into the season. You could see it. And, Again, that confidence was building within him. He had an injury. He comes out of the game. There's a great step-up moment from Martin Jones, who comes to the team because, again, Chris Drieger, who's expected to be the other goaltender, is out with a long-term injury. And when Philip Grubauer came back, you could just see that that level of, I can do this, was really locked in. Maybe the wins and losses weren't coming, but he was actually the goaltender facing the tougher competition night in and night out. And when those playoffs came, and this is, again, something the team talked about, they were riding their goaltender. And that doesn't mean that he was the only difference maker, of course. But when you know you have such strong play and net behind you, you play better to your full potential in front of them. And I think Grubauer rediscovered, to your point, what he is and what he can be. And to rediscover it, I don't think it's going to be lost again. I think that was this weird, crazy situation that happened in an expansion COVID year. Um, And he's a proud man, of course, and a professional athlete. And I expect, to your point, to see a lot more of him and a lot more of him play well um, in this coming season. Yes. And thank you actually for pointing that out, that he was kind of in between the pipes for the tougher competition, because I think teams are starting to pay attention to the fact that they can have their starting goalie out of the lineup a little bit more. They kind of tried to play into that when it came to Linus Allmark, um, not having him face as many pucks throughout the season. I know the Tampa Bay Lightning are probably going to re-strategize that heading into this upcoming season because Vasilevsky is one of the only starting goaltenders to play majority of the games throughout the season. So finding that balance, but having that analytical approach to where they're most necessary is crucial. And I think Grubauer, like you said, he's, he's so meticulous. He, takes pride in his play and he never likes to leave a bad game uh, out there. He takes that stuff very personally. So you guys got a great one um, in the upcoming season for Philip Grubauer, which I love. Allison, I can't thank you enough for joining me here on Casing the League and bringing your insight uh, to the Casing the League and talking about the Seattle Kraken and just kind of letting everybody know why they're the most exciting team on the block. And they're not getting any handouts by being the youngest franchise out there at the moment. And I'm just highly anticipating what they'll bring to the ice in the upcoming season. Don't forget, guys, to follow me and Allison over on Twitter, but especially Allison to keep up today on all Seattle Kraken coverage heading into an exciting season. Even though we got one month left in the summer and what roughly 60 days before hockey really springs up again um there's still plenty to talk about as the free agency frenzy is upon all of us so follow everything over at casing the league as well as on believe network and until next time guys i'm casey hudson joined by allison lucan and we'll catch you on casing the league (laughs) 